Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Have you ever wanted to create something but felt intimidated by trying something new? On this week's episode, I talk with Melissa Schwenk, who has dabbled in a variety of creative endeavors. She describes herself as a non-professional crafter, and she's explored everything from pottery to gardening. We discuss why she began doing this, the interconnectedness of creative activities, and how we can all make the world a more beautiful place with the right mindset. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Melissa. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, John. It's such a pleasure to be here. Now, you describe yourself as a non-professional artist on your Instagram, which is melissa.tries.things. And this is how I found you. And I thought you really embodied the spirit of the show because on the podcast, I like to interview so many different creatives from writers and painters to people who work on movies and everything in between. And I thought it was so cool that here you are trying a little bit of everything yourself from I've seen watercolor paintings on your feed, ceramics, gardening, baking. How did all of this get started? And why did you like to dip your hands in so many different things? When I was growing up, you know, we have the standard art classes. And I was one of those kids who, you know, at the end of the school year always got the art award. And so a little bit of that is, you know, now seeking that external validation that I would get in elementary school. I think that's where it really started from. But, you know, I just find so much pleasure in creating things that are beautiful or attempting to make things that are beautiful. There are definitely some things that aren't on the uh, Instagram feed that are less beautiful. But I think it's just, you know, wanting to do something that just to me is beautiful because, you know, in my day to day work, there's less of that. It's a little bit more straight laced. And before we start recording, you mentioned to me that you like to work with things that have a sort of physicality to it. So maybe not, um, and, and maybe you have done this, but but less of writing a poem in your head and more molding something with your hands. Why do you think you're drawn to something that you can touch more than something more ab- abstract? I like to be able to go back and reflect on things that I've made. I very rarely give away any of my art or sell it. I like to be able to look at it. You know, if I'm gardening, I like to see how it's changing over the summer. And, you know, even if I am writing a poem, like I have to physically write it out so that later on I can go back and like look at it again. You know, I kind of want to have this record of of things that I've done a little bit as like a, I existed and I was here during this time. And this is a thing that I've made. When you look at those final pieces, do you are you brought back to those specific times because it is such a, like you said, a moment in time that you worked on something? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of things that I am drawing, they're from my real life. So seeing baby geese and and drawing them or, you know, doing a landscape because I sat outside a hotel and and looked at this mountain for a couple of days. You know, it does kind of take me back to that moment and that feeling, um, you know, sort of what made me get out the sketchbook or what, you know, made me make chocolate pudding that day. And do you have like a bucket list of things that you want to try or have you always sort of just been trying things out? I wouldn't say I like have a bucket list written down, but there are definitely some things that are very interesting to me that I would like to try eventually. Pottery was on my on my list of things for a very long time. And I finally had the chance to start that last summer. You know, I did a little bit of woodworking in, in middle school. I think it'd be fun to go back and try that. Or, you know, I follow some stained glass artists on Instagram. It's like, well, I've soldered for work before. I could probably make something halfway decent to give to my parents. They're the only people that I usually give things to. And it's usually the things that I don't want to display in my own home. And you've mentioned a couple of times this connection to the childhood self of, you know, make, making things in art class and stuff like this. Were you drawn to doing those things when you were a kid or do you sort of look back on it now and and want to connect to a side of you that might have been there earlier? I did a lot of art when I was in elementary school. I did a little bit in middle school and less of it in high school. And I just feel like as you get older, there's less of an emphasis on making things. So it's only been in the last few years that I've really started trying to reconnect with that. When you graduate college and you are in the working world, it's really easy to come home from work and just be so exhausted that all you do is lay on the couch and are just like a couch zombie watching TV. So I definitely feel like I'm putting in more of an effort to work on things that make me happy. And that, you know, that's part of the artistic side of it. Yeah, I think too, as an adult, there's always this extra layer of pressure to do things with some sort of extra exceptional ability. Like when you're a kid, the expectation of how you're going to draw, like you said, the geese, you know, that you see outside, Mm -hmm. or if you're going to experiment with some arts and crafts, if you completely botch it, it's like, okay, well, you're a kid, it's fine. But as an adult, it's almost like this layer of like, well, if I if it's really bad, maybe that, that might be embarrassing because I'm such and such an age yeah. or you finish your first version of it. And it's like, well, this looks like a kid did it. <laughs> you know, this looks <laughs> like I did it when I was 12. But that's because it might be the first time you tried something. Exactly. Do, do you find this sort of idea of labeling where you're at now as this non-professional approach to it? Do you feel like that takes some of that pressure away? Yeah, I think it it gives me a lot more freedom to just be like, I am only doing this for myself. And so if it doesn't look good the first time I try it, that is okay because I get to I get to try again. And there's fortunately and unfortunately, I have a day job. I'm not, you know, making art during the day. But that also means that the art that I do make, I can just make whatever I want. And so I get to have all of these broad interests and I get to pick things up and put them down and come back to them later and, you know, work on my own timeline in most cases. Do you ever find yourself like trying to say something through some of your art or is it more of a creative release again from, you know, maybe needing something that's not watching TV, but that's away from your work life? 
Yeah, I think it's more just about that creative release and, you know, getting up off the couch. And the other day I was, I, you know, I watched a couple episodes of something and it was still pretty light out. And I was like, why don't I just go do that gardening stuff that I have been putting off and putting off? And, you know, it just felt so nice to go out and dig in the dirt and just have that release of the energy that's there and the to-do list in your head of like the fun things, the fun crafting things that you want to do. But I, I usually there's not much of a message behind it. You know, most of my work doesn't really have any text associated with it other than I did a few funny um, draw-tober things last year where I added funny text to things, but nothing, you know, with any sort of message. Obviously, you enjoy doing all these things, but I always find any sort of creative thing, whether it's a casual outlet or something that you're doing professionally, it does take a lot out of you in terms of energy and your your mind's at work. Maybe it costs different sorts of energy than you might be expending on one art versus another one, but it's a lot more difficult than sitting back and watching TV or something like that. So yeah. what do you think it is that that does draw you to say, oh, I'm going to actively create something rather than enjoy. And I mean, you still enjoy what other people create clearly or yeah, watching yes. shows and reading books, things like that. But yeah. what, what gets you to, to say, oh, I want to be actively creating something that's my own rather than just observing what someone else creates. Like I said earlier, it's a little bit of the, I existed and I am here and I made this, you know, it's, it's a record of, of my being. And a part of that is because, you know, like I'm child-free, I don't intend to have children. I have nieces and nephews, like they're sort of my legacy, but like the main thing that I can leave behind is, you know, doing good work at my job and this art that I make for myself. So that's the reason why I like to do all of these creative pursuits. Another aspect of it is like, when you just have a lot of energy, a lot of all of this creative energy, you know, I could sit and watch someone wood turn, but that's not going to make me less fidgety the way that doing some embroidery while I watch them wood turn would. And I think another nice thing about having all of these different creative pursuits is that I can pick the level of energy I want to put into it. So, you know, if I am pretty low energy, like maybe I'll knit something that's very simple. But if I'm higher energy, like I will do a painting or I'll do a sketch. So, you know, those take a little bit more of the effort versus the repetitive motion of knitting or crocheting. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's like a different paths that you can always go to. It's it's not like, oh man, in order to do that, I need to schedule, like I need a whole hour to do something or it, like you could choose something you do for a few minutes, or you, you probably could even choose things that you do while you watch TV or something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if I, if I want to watch a show, I feel better about watching it if I'm knitting or, or crocheting or embroidering during it. There are often times where I'm like, oh, I have an idea for a painting, but I, I know that if I, if I try to paint right now, I, I'm just going to mess up my entire week of like where my energy is. Going back to something that you mentioned before in terms of sharing what you create with other people, is this what might have led you to do the Instagram and share what you're making beyond, you know, just your your friends and family? 
Yeah. You know, I follow a lot of artists on Instagram and I, I sort of wanted to be able to pay homage to them when I was making things that were maybe inspired by what they did. So that's a little bit why I wanted to make the Instagram just, you know, I have my private account, but if you tag them in a, in a private post, they, they can't see it. So this way I can, you know, I can say, oh, I, I made this watercolor and this specific artist, like they had a, a how-to on how to do like a quick watercolor and I took their notes and, you know, then I can kind of point other people to, you know, artists that I appreciate as well. And what do you think it is about that almost like community aspect? Because on one hand, there is a value to just doing it on your own, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's, again, you talked about that release you get when you create something or sort of the satisfaction of having accomplished that. But what do you think it is about that community aspect that adds another layer to it? I am from a very small town. I grew up in rural Indiana. And so I think I spent a lot of time on my own, maybe more time on my own than a child should. And so having that community now, like working towards being a part of that and not sort of shuttling myself away and saying, oh, you know, I can I can paint on my own and not interact with anyone. It can be lonely to create that way. So it's kind of nice to have that community on Instagram and and kind of you can reach out to people that you admire in a way that, you know, if you go to a museum, you can't really, you, you can't always reach out to a person that you see in a museum and say like, hey, I saw this and I really enjoyed it and it inspired this other piece of art that I did. Really just a little bit about reaching out and feeling like you exist, you know, in the, in the world. And thinking about your specific pieces, is there one that you sort of see as a favorite or even a specific genre of art that you find you've been having the most fun with, whether that be painting or the ceramics or gardening, have you found yourself drawn more to one than the other, or has it really been that variety that, that makes it special to you? It's really been cyclical with, with a lot of these hobbies, you know, like I will hyper-focus on one for quite a while and then not necessarily get bored of it, but, you know, decide to move on to something else for a little bit. I think, I don't know if, if I have like a favorite, like I'm, I'm looking at my Instagram feed now and I'm like, oh, I could say this, I could say that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have a favorite. <laughs> I, I love all of my children equally. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is one of the cool things about having that idea in your mind that, okay, I'm going to do this not professionally and I'm going to do a variety of things because you don't necessarily lose something, but you sort of change your focus when you decide that, okay, I'm going to start pursuing this one in a more rigorous fashion, right? Because you start to need to draw more of your attention specifically to to the one thing. And, you know, you might still play around with a couple of other things, but then you start to take away from your professional pursuit of one of them. And so I I do think it is a great value to, if you're going to want to do that variety to, to give yourself that flexibility and, and say, Hey, like I have my job, but this is what I like to do for fun. Not something specific, but you know, a variety of things that I can come to. Yeah. And to kind of go along with that, a lot of my hobbies, artistic pursuits, that type of stuff, they feed into each other. So I've been doing a lot of gardening and I have a lot of houseplants. Okay, well, now I have, 
you know, now I need more pots so I can put my house plants in them. So then I make things at the pottery studio or I have I have a bromeliad that probably my favorite house plant. And I'm, you know, I made a plate in ceramics that has basically a portrait of this plant on it. So I, I do like to see how my different pursuits feed into each other. You know, like I, I like gardening. So then when I visited a friend's garden and she had a really cool set of tomatoes, you know, I take a picture of that and then I paint it. So I like seeing the interconnectedness of the different things that I do. And with that, do you find the more things that you try, the more confident you are to try something that maybe a few months ago even would seem like, oh, that, that's going to be too difficult for me. But do you find that, okay, I've done all these other things, so now I can pursue something that might have been more challenging? Yeah, it definitely makes it less of a big deal to, to start new things, uh, you know, other than getting the supplies that you need. That can sometimes be a bit of a a hurdle, uh, a mental hurdle usually. Um, but yeah, I think the more that you try and see that it's okay if it doesn't come out right the first time, or, you know, it's okay if it doesn't turn out exactly how you thought it would, you know, there's still value and beauty and in, in trying it. And, you know, I, I try, I'm trying to live that more in my everyday life, but it's been nice to have it sort of lead from the craft side. And with these crafts, is there one that you found to be the most challenging so far? You know, I think wheel throwing is, it's challenging. It just, you know, from the point of view of like what it is itself, you know, getting everything centered on the wheel when you're doing pottery is difficult. It, but the hardest part of wheel throwing for me is the patience aspect and the timing aspect and the making sure that you don't accidentally smush your bowl a little bit when you're flipping it. And um, that's probably the most challenging one that I've, that I've really been pursuing um, from that aspect of it. The most physically challenging one is sometimes the gardening when you're fighting with the orange daylilies that have just completely overtaken a flower bed. And you know that you have some ideas of what other kind of flowers you want to put in there to make it look nice and have a different landscape. And so <laughs> that's probably the most physically challenging one, but the mentally challenging is probably the wheel throwing. I live in Florida. And so the outside is this kind of jungle area that's very difficult to tame. So I can relate yeah. to you on the uh, idea of weeds coming in and ruining all your plans. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of why I like writing because I have a sort of control over my environment a little <laughs> bit more in the process than yeah. something that might be like gardening. Um, but even then you still get, and I imagine you find this in the different arts that you pursue. Gardening might have a higher percentage of uncontrolled elements, but there is always something that can interrupt what you're doing, right? Like it's, it's never a hundred percent controlled and that's almost part of it. And almost something that, that I find that I have to lean into. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're baking something, you know, sometimes I forget to turn on the oven and then I'm putting cookies in at 11 PM instead of 10, you know, it's, there's always something that could be distracting you or interrupting you. And you know, it's nice to have, to sort of give yourself the grace of like, it's okay. We can, 
we can work through this and to problem solve around those things. Or for baking, when you're missing an ingredient, I'm always like Googling, okay, well, what can I replace it with? Oh, I don't have that either. And trying to think of some <laughs> solution that will make yes. it not turn into, because baking, again, if if you get the elements off, it can turn out completely wrong so easily. Oh, yeah. I, I don't do that much baking sort of for that reason, just because it's just so easy for you to mess something up. And then you're stuck with a lot of like, subpar cookies, which, you know, even a subpar cookie is better than no cookie. But if I can get someone else to bake the cookies, that's I'll I'll bring the crafting supplies and they can make the cookies. And as I'm listening to you describe your process with all these things, it's almost like it's a mindset that you sort of put on in your life. Like it's because someone might, they might look at everything they do that might fit into a creative category. You know, it's, oh, well, here I have a paintbrush and piece of paper and I'm going to create something right. But at the end of the day, it's like everyone needs to eat something. So maybe right away, someone might not think, oh, the baking is part of that too. Do you like to, or do you find the same sort of creative release when you're cooking as when you're baking or, or doing gardening and things like that? Yeah, I think you can find creative releases throughout your entire day. And that's, that's, you know, I try to look for the places where I can be creative or I can make something a little bit more beautiful or I can repurpose something that, you know, was going to be thrown out and make it beautiful. So, you know, I, I used to write letters to people a lot and, you know, I would decorate the envelope and I'd try to write their name in a fancy way. And, you know, I would just try to make it look like, I just want it to be special when it got to them. So, you know, looking for things like that, or, you know, I live in a condo and the landscaping people trimmed a couple bushes and, you know, picking up the, some of the smaller branches that were mostly green leaves off the ground and saying like, oh, I can put this in a vase. And like, now I have some greenery in my house. And it just, I just want things to be beautiful. And I want, I want people to look at them and say like, wow, that brightened my day to see that. Yeah. And what a more wonderful way to live life, right? Because it's, you can, you can go through everything and be like, oh, everything stinks or like, oh, they made a mess with when they trimmed the bushes or, but if you, again, thinking about the mindset of it, come into it as almost like you're looking at the world in front of you as a canvas. And it's, it's not like, oh, I need to make it. So at the end of the day, I can put a price tag on the canvas and sell it in an art shop. But instead it's, oh, how do I take what's around me? And like you're saying, make it more beautiful. Everyone can use that mindset to live their everyday life. There's not a sort of pressure about it. Like you can just get up and do it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think I sort of grew up in an environment that was not that way. That was a little bit like, you know, people are against us and things are hard and kind of looking for the bad side of things. And for me, as I've grown up and gone to therapy and done all of these things, sort of moving away from that mindset and trying to find the best in everyone, trying to not excuse behavior, but, you know, if I have a friend who's like, not good at navigating, you know, like, well, that's okay. You have other things that you're good at and you have 
other things on your mind besides like, you know, where to, how to find your car in the parking garage, you know, like I'm not, I don't want to hold that against people, you know, and just trying to find the beauty and trying to, you know, spread that to other people, you know, like I have uh, six nieces and nephews and I want them to be able to see that, oh, you can do something creative and you don't have to make money off of it. You can do it just for yourself. Or, you know, I want them to feel special because, you know, Aunt Melissa made them a baby blanket and then she made them, you know, crocheted them a toy that was just for them. I want to make people feel special in that way. Well, I think that's such a beautiful way to look at everything. And the last question I kind of want to end with, usually I end with, why do we create? And I feel like right in the middle of it, you really got at a lot of that. And I think sort of the whole discussion has been around that. So instead, I thought maybe a good note to end on would be for people who want to pursue something, not necessarily professionally, but just for fun and as something that they can do, uh, whether it be with the environment around them, the food that's in their pantry or the the messy garden outside that could be turned beautiful, right? Uh, what do you find is a good first step to pursuing something like that? I mean, I think the very first step is to just be like very kind with yourself as you start things, just because it's so easy to try something once and say, that doesn't turn out well. I don't, I don't want to do that ever again. So instead of, of saying that, you know, instead of feeling embarrassed when you show your friends something that didn't turn out, you know, you can say like, look at this, like, look at how much I improved from the last time I tried to do this, or can you believe this is my first time trying to do this? And, and most of the time people are very supportive on, or at least I've found that people are very supportive in people's creative pursuits, because then it gives them a little bit more freedom to say like, oh, you know, actually I enjoy doing this other thing. And, you know, maybe I'll pick up my embroidery again, or maybe I'll putter around my garden, you know, just being kind to yourself uh, as you start. And then the other thing is, you know, sometimes craft supplies are expensive and I'm just going to plug one of my favorite secondhand, uh, favorite secondhand art supply shops. It's Make and Mend. It's based here in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. And, you know, you can donate supplies that you aren't using anymore and you can buy things at a steep discount. And it's a great way to pursue a craft that you've never done before. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on like new paints. You know, you can just try some paints and then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Well, I think that's all excellent advice. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you, Melissa, and getting to know you better and just hearing about all the different things you do. And so thank you so much for your time and coming on the show. Obviously, we've talked about how you, you're not doing any sort of these things professionally, but I do want to direct people to your Instagram. Is there anywhere else that people should go to look at the things that you do or is the Instagram the, the best way? The, the Instagram is the best way. I, I haven't posted anywhere else. There's no Etsy shop or anything like that. Um, like I said, I, I keep most of the things that I make, but you know, sometimes I can be willing to part with things if, you know, if somebody asks uh, nicely or has a good reason for it. Well, thanks again, Melissa. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, John. It was so great talking to you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can follow Melissa on Instagram at melissa.tries.things. If you enjoy this conversation, check out episode 40 with Brett Roundsville. 
who also loves to explore the great variety life has to offer, from writing comic books to designing theme park attractions. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing your favorite episodes with a friend and hitting that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app. If you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.